Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. This story is called Afraid of the White Man. My name is Hiro, and I am 10 years old. I live in the same village as Mr. Hicks in Papua New Guinea. I love playing soccer with my friends in the yard of the white missionary. However, I must be careful when I play near the white man's house because I am afraid of him. I have been told that Mr. Hicks has white skin because he came here from the grave where dead people are. As a white spirit, I am positive that the white missionary will eat me if he catches me. So when I play soccer with our plastic bag ball, I must keep one eye open for when the white missionary comes out of his house so I can run away to safety. Sometimes the other boys tease me for running and hiding so much, but I don't care. Didn't their parents warn them of the danger of the white missionary? One time I was at the riverbank where everyone parks their motor canoes when I heard a group of people coming ashore. So I went to see who it was And to my horror, it was the white man coming home from a trip. So I ran and hid behind a tree. But one of the moms saw me and laughed out loud and pointed me out to the missionary. Soon everyone was laughing, including Mr. Hicks, who ran towards me in a joking way. But I didn't know he was teasing and I jumped off of a cliff down into the swift river which began to carry me past the village. I was afraid to stay in the water where there could be a crocodile and I was afraid to get out and face the white man. Thankfully the church elder who was laughing came and rescued me from the water. The white man stopped laughing and said he was sorry for making me so scared and promised to give me a tasty treat to eat. But I didn't dare get close enough to accept the package of tasty crackers. So my friends grabbed it for me. Those crackers were real special, but I am still afraid of the white man. Please pray for Hero that he can overcome his fear of the white man and come to school and learn about Jesus. Since that story took place, Hiro and I have become good friends. He came to my house one day and we shook hands and he lost his fear of me. And so, yes, he is now coming and we are talking to each other about Jesus. At least Hero is safe and has now become friends with our missionary David Hicks, who is sharing the love of Jesus with him now. Welcome to Frontier Missions Journal, where we share the stories of hope about the unreached. 
You know, you can participate in this same mission without traveling to the jungles of Papua New Guinea. Through your support of the Ama and May River Project, or other ones like it, your missionary can be carrying the work forward, even while you're sleeping. Your gifts assist the mission project with housing, Bibles, gas and food, training, medical care, and much more. It's easy to give. Simply point your browser to afmonline.org and select the Missionaries tab. You'll find your missionary on this list. That's afmonline.org and select the Missionaries tab. Thank you. It's all just part of laying up your treasures in heaven. Now, our next story from David involves a man desperately seeking help for his pregnant wife. God granted mercy to this couple as they navigated the river in their motorized canoe. David calls this story, The Miracle of the Six Gallons. Can you please purchase church clothes for my husband so he will come to church? We were first introduced to Benny last year through a visit by his faithful wife, Agatha. She married Benny nine years ago after her first husband, an Adventist pastor, died suddenly of typhoid fever and left her and her two babies with no one to support them. After leaving town and the society of her church to return to her parents and relatives at May River, they gave her an arranged marriage to be the second wife of a heathen man who knew not God. and regularly got drunk, smoked, and chewed a drug called betel nut. We can only imagine the struggles and heartache Agatha has endured in her new home. Despite all of life's injustices, she has chosen to remain faithful to God and daily prays for her husband. She has often tried to share Jesus with him without much success until recently, when he finally agreed to accompany her to church. However, after only a few minutes, he excused himself and went home, ashamed that he didn't have long pants and a nice shirt to wear. So a few weeks later, after we had gone to town and picked out a used dress shirt and dress pants for him to wear, we greeted Benny at church. He was very proud of his new clothes and stayed the entire worship service and even accepted an invitation to eat lunch at our house. While we were eating, Benny began to tell us about the decisions he was making in favor of God. He had already stopped drinking beer and he had forsook betel nut chewing. However, he told us that he was still struggling with homemade cigarettes, but he planned to quit very soon. We got the feeling that Benny was attempting to make himself good in his own strength and might be setting himself up for disappointment. Unknowingly, Benny was making a basic mistake by thinking that he needed to change himself before coming to Jesus. We explained to Benny that he could come to Jesus right now without having to wait until he had overcome all his vices. In fact, coming to Jesus and asking for divine strength is the best way to overcome cigarettes for good. A look of relief passed over his face. Then he asked for a Godpod audio Bible so he could listen to God's book at home. As we gave the Godpod to Benny, we explained that God's Word has supernatural power to create a clean heart within him. 
Weeks passed, and we continued to offer intercessory prayer for Benny. He and his wife faithfully continued to attend both Sabbath school and church services. It wasn't long until we noticed that Agatha was very pregnant with her seventh child. We began lifting her up in prayer because she had shared with us that her last pregnancy ended in the loss of her baby. She and Benny were both worried they would lose this one also. Again, we invited Benny and Agatha to eat Sabbath lunch with us. When they arrived, Agatha was unusually out of breath from walking up the hill to our house. She neglected to tell us that her water had broken the night before and that she was ready to have her baby at any time. Our conversation around the table centered upon the emergency evacuation of another mother who had complications during delivery just two days before and had been flown by Samaritan Aviation's float plane to the city hospital in Weewak. Since then, we had been notified that the airplane would be out of service for several days for their annual maintenance. It wasn't until Sunday evening that we learned that Agatha was in trouble. She still had not gone into labor after 48 hours of losing her water. The risk of infection was growing by each passing hour. The head nurse came to speak with Edie. He was scheduled to leave on vacation Monday morning. His replacement hadn't arrived yet from town. The May River Clinic would be left without staff. Could Edie look after Agatha? But Edie is not experienced in difficult deliveries. Monday dawned, and in spite of many prayers of intercession, there still was no baby. By this time, Benny was very distressed. We called Samaritan Aviation for an emergency evacuation and learned that the airplane's motor was torn apart and they were waiting for parts. Following this, the clinic nurse gave Agatha some antibiotics and reluctantly departed on vacation, leaving us with a huge weight on our shoulders. The risk of infection and death had become extreme to both mother and child. We had no one to help us except God. As Edie was in the clinic with Agatha attending to her needs, David brought Benny into the house and prayed with him to help calm him down as he was very near panic. As the day progressed, we were both often in prayer, pleading for God to help Agatha go into labor before it was too late. But nothing happened. Unknown to me, a spiritual battle was in progress. A scripture came into my mind, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Isaiah 59.2 I began searching my heart for unconfessed sin when my nose was opened to smell the breath of Benny, and it smelled of tobacco. After quoting the Bible verse to Benny, I asked him if he had unconfessed sin in his life preventing God from hearing our prayers for Agatha. He admitted that he did and confessed his smoking. I led him in prayer of repentance, and he gave his addiction to God. He told me that at last peace had come into his heart. However, Agatha still didn't go into labor. Three days had already passed since her water had broken. We advised Benny to immediately take Agatha to a small clinic along the Sibic River a couple hours away by motor canoe. We had heard there may be a nurse there who could induce her labor with an IV drip. He went to borrow a motor canoe. However, there was a severe gas shortage on the entire river, and no one has six gallons of gas to give him for the trip except us. 
So we gave him enough gas to go to the small clinic at Moe and back again, which would take exactly six gallons. Benny and Agatha departed at sunset for the two-hour trip to Moe. Within minutes it began to pour down rain and all we could think about was Agatha who was by now showing signs of infection and losing blood. Would we see her again alive? Would her baby survive? We had to rely on faith alone. Later we learned that Benny took Agatha to Moe only to find that the nurse was not there and the clinic was closed. So he continued on down the Sibic River looking for an open clinic. At 2 in the morning he arrived at the village of Ohm and had to wake up the nurse there. Agatha had been rained on for 6 hours and was very weak. An IV was given to induce labor and a little girl was born alive and well. The nurse told Benny if he had not brought Agatha that rainy night to the clinic he would have lost both mother and daughter by morning. But this is not the end of the story. Benny had been given six gallons of gas to go to the village of Moe and come back. However, he had already used six gallons of gas getting to the clinic at home. When he checked his gas container, there was still gas in it. So he put Agatha and baby Edie, as the baby was named, into the motor canoe and returned back home to May River. The gas never ran dry until he was pulling up to the steps of his own house. Later we figured that the trip he made on 6 gallons should have required more than 14 gallons of gas. Benny and I both believe God miraculously stretched that gas to get his family to the clinic and safely home again. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10 Thank you for listening to Frontier Missions Journal.